You're listening to Early Learning Review Radio. I'm Patrick Avenal, and I'm the news editor for Early Learning Review. Dr. Daniel Scorridge is a psychology researcher at the University of Queensland. He has been researching autism spectrum disorders and has published a paper that shows the relationship between clusters of social interaction characteristics that were previously thought to be unconnected. I spoke with Scorridge about his research and I started by asking for an overview of his findings. The basis of autism is um, so it's diagnosed on the basis of a number of, sort of social difficulties um, and the way it's kind of explained these days is in terms of um, a sort of a theory of mind problems. So that's a problem in sort of representing people's mental states, uh, their emotions and things and being able to predict what other people might do. That's thought to lead to these problems in, um, in social sort of interaction, uh, creating relationships, that kind of thing. Um, and at the moment, we don't really know exactly what's going on in terms of those mental representation problems that people with autism have. There's a model out there that suggests that the major issue is one of uh, being able to sort of what's known to share attention with other people, so to get a sense of what other people are looking at and thinking about and sharing that kind of experience with them. So we kind of know that there's this process that's effective in autism, but we don't really know why uh, that happens or how and what, what exactly the specific mechanism that's actually affected is. So our research is actually looking at that question, so what the specific mechanism underlying the shared attention problem actually is. In, in your research you talk about clusters that uh, were previously thought to be unrelated. Are you able to talk me through what some of those clusters are and how you've been able to connect them? Yeah, so one of the clusters is, I guess, what I was just talking about. So one of the clusters is to do with this theory of mind issue. So this, like, decreased ability to actually um, share attention with other people and then represent their mental states, etc. People with autism also have this tendency to um, integrate information less thoroughly but to focus on, say, the parts of things rather than on the whole, but to focus on sort of local features rather than the overall kind of picture. So what our research does is we kind of find this mechanism, which is this, what we call a self-categorization mechanism, so that's this tendency to uh, see yourself and others as similar within a particular context. That actually explains the shared attention problems. And importantly, it also is reliant on very integrated kind of processing. So by saying that the self-categorization process is an integrated form of processing and it leads to these issues of shared attention, what we're doing is bringing together uh, those two clusters, so the sort of information processing cluster and then the theory of mind sort of cluster. What sort of implications does your research and your findings have for, so I guess, three parts of the process, the diagnosis then uh, sort of the intervention and then the ongoing treatment of a, of a person with autism? Um, so there's the possibility, though we haven't really looked into it in much detail, of, of using a task that we actually use in some of our experiments as a diagnostic tool, potentially. So we have this task where people are basically engaging in this sort of self-categorization process. So they're basically presented with information about other people and then we now measure the extent to which they see themselves as similar or different to those other people in this particular context. We can get a score from that. And our research suggests that the more autistic-like traits you have, the lower your score is on this self-categorization index. So it is possible that in future we might be able to adapt that in some way to become like a measure for, for diagnosis. So obviously very early days and we're just sort of 
important one, I guess, at this point is um, our findings because they suggest this decreased ability or tendency to self-categorize link autism directly in with this process of um, sort of seeing yourself as members of particular social groups. So this is something that we just do normally. We just see ourselves and we construct a sense of ourselves based on the social groups to which we belong. People with autism, our research suggests, do that less. And the important thing here is that um, the more we actually identify with social groups, the more we belong to social groups, the better our health and well-being actually is. And there's a program here being developed at, um, at UQ called the Groups Health Program, which is actually trying to use that principle to actually help people in general to uh, improve their health and well-being by actually teaching them how to sort of create social connections, maintain their social connections, etc. And what we're now doing is actually adapting it or thinking about how we might adapt it for people with autism. Um, in terms of long-term uh, maintenance or helping people, I guess the Group's Health Program is actually designed for that too. So one of the modules within the Group's Health Program is actually about say, sustaining these sort of group ties. So helping people to, to first develop group ties, so develop ties with particular social groups and then to maintain them as well over time. Can you foresee any, any changes in how uh, kids with autism are sort of schooled or mainstreamed or educated? So on the basis of our research, do you mm-hmm. um, Probably not really. I mean, this is really talking about very fundamental cognitive kind of um, explanations. So in terms of what we do, I guess, at the front end, um, some things we could change a little bit, but I guess what's being done at the front end uh, there's, there's a lot of evidence for the way that we do things. So, that, for example, there's another program here at UQ called the Secret Agent Society um, that has very, has been shown to have very high effectiveness and it's run in schools um, and it helps people with autism basically develop their social skills. So because it's a very front-end process, we could sort of change little bits and pieces based on the research that we've done, but probably wouldn't change that much in terms of um, whether kids would end up in mainstream schools or in um, sort of special education schools. On a personal note, what inspired you or led you to this course of study and research? Um, I actually used to work in a special school, so I worked with kids with autism. Um, I always just found them, I mean, I just found, I guess, it quite fascinating, quite interesting. I also think that some of the social components of autism and this theory of mind process that I was talking about, being able to represent mental states is something that's kind of fundamental to who we are as human beings, so it allows us to kind of understand that process as well. So I think that's part of it, and also just when you see, I guess, how um, profoundly affected people can be, I just wanted to do something that could help in that process as well. Do you think having had personal contact with people that have an autism spectrum disorder has sort of influenced your work and meant that you have sort of a concrete grounding in it as opposed to perhaps more theoretical understanding? Um, Yeah, I definitely think that's true. So just knowing, I guess, how the intervention programs work, knowing, because I've also worked in mainstream schools with people with autism, kids with autism as well. 
What are some of those differences? Um, so people who are, I guess, termed high-functioning are people who are within the kind of normal to high um, IQ range. And so basically they have just a very specific issue with the social functioning and don't have uh, problems in other areas, whereas people who are more low-functioning would also have issues in other kind of areas related to other cognitive domains. And is there anything else you wanted to discuss regarding your research? Um, I guess uh, just just pointing out, I guess, again, that um, there, there are implications here for uh, intervention, which I think are probably the most important implications that come out of it. So we are getting, I think, a deeper understanding of exactly what the disorder actually entails, what are the causative factors, causative mechanisms, um, and that, I guess, is going to lead to just a better understanding of the condition, but also 